Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with the yawning Matt Watson. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, come on. All right. One. One donation to charity early, man. Good for you. Come on. Hi, Matt. Cut me some slack. Hi, Matt. I just got back from the other side of the world yesterday. I know. I know. I know you've been busy. I've never penalized you that early in a show either. (laughs) That was like literally within the first 15 seconds. Um, Well, I've been venturing around the world. I know, and and hopefully, um, hopefully that's that's been rewarding. And since you're going to use the word venture, we're going to talk about venture capital today. All right. I know this. You know, this is a hot subject, and so many people have have asked for more about this. So we brought in one of Kansas City's uh, well-known venture capital firms and uh, founders. Today we've got Thad Langford, the founding partner of Flyover Capital. Hi, Thad. How you doing? Was that an adequate intro? Yeah. Okay, good. Perfect. And, and, and I'm sorry that you have, you're probably wondering what's going on, but we have a yawn counter for Watson. <laughs> so, um, right. and it, you know, normally it's like 25 minutes in, but it's the lighting and lack of a window, but there you go. So Matt, you actually owe $1 million to charity. Okay, That's cool. Your, to- your total. Thank you. So Thad, um, thanks for coming in. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. And uh, give a little background. Your uh, your uh, your company or your firm, Flyover Capital, is uh, located here in Kansas City. Yep. And give us a little more basic information about you guys and what your your mission is. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we were uh, we founded the the firm back in really back in 2014. Started investing in 2015, and it was really based on trying to fill a a, a big gap and early stage capital okay. for, you know, specifically for early stage technology companies in areas outside of the traditional tech hubs. Um, so I'm sure, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the listeners and yourselves have seen the, seen the stats that uh, roughly 80% of all venture capital dollars in the U S are placed in three States, really California, New York, Massachusetts. I would argue that those three, it's actually in three cities for the most part. So Silicon Valley, if you consider San Fran down to San Jose, at least one area, New York City and Boston, and then 20% sprinkled elsewhere. So the rest of the U.S. And so, you know, huge, huge gap. Uh, we saw that as an opportunity. You know, we felt it as entrepreneurs as we were trying to raise capital for our own firms, uh, our own companies, and uh, wanted to try and help do something about it. And for those of you listening outside of Kansas City, where we're at, the the term flyover is used a, quite a bit when it comes to our part of the country because people are usually just flying over it. I heard it a lot. Yeah. I heard it yeah. a lot. And it was really kind of the whole idea of trying to turn a negative into a positive. When I was out raising capital in Boston, the Silicon Valley, a lot of the VCs said, hey, you know, I love what you're doing, love the team. But Ultimately, I'm not going to be flying into Kansas City on a quarterly basis to sit on board meetings. That's an area I usually fly over. Yeah. And so uh, so kind of embraced it and said, you know what, we'll turn that negative into a positive and we'll hopefully make a difference. So do you want, can you speak to um, 
some of the investments you've done or companies you've invested in or yeah absolutely kind of stuff? yeah so we've um so we've invested across uh in 16 companies across nine states so okay. far and uh and and we'll continue investing in in more so um so yeah so we've invested anywhere from uh we have a company in madison wisconsin uh, we had a couple in Champaign, Illinois, two in Austin, Texas, several here in Kansas City, uh, Indianapolis. We have one in Florida, um, and I'm sure I'm missing some. Two in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, so you're you're hitting the whole region, not just Kansas City. So absolutely, you're sourcing sourcing good opportunities. That's right. Yeah, and it's all based on that gap that I talked about, right? So that 20 percent of the venture capital dollars sprinkled everywhere other than those three states, we basically say we cover the elsewhere. So, uh, so, you know, again, kind of looking for, um, looking for those companies that are really, you know, really making a difference and high growth companies, um, which is what venture capital really focuses on. Yeah, so that's actually what I want. And, you know, for, and we're going to keep it, we're going to start real basic and we don't have to stay on this too long, but let's define venture capital because I think anybody that's starting a business is looking for the resources they need, but you know, you've got all these different types you have angel investors and and institutional money and not and just blah blah blah. There are grants and accelerators and so how do you define venture capital? Yeah, I think it's a pretty broad, uh, right. a pretty broad uh, term that people use, and it even gets lumped in sometimes into private equity. Sure, um, but venture capital specifically to me means it is the earliest stage capital going into a company, kind of typically beyond friends and family and and angels. Um, so individual investors that will invest in companies kind of get them stood up pretty early on. Um, this is really the next capital that comes into a company. Um, and I think what really distinguishes venture capital from just kind of early stage, what I would call early stage investing is the type of companies that you're investing in. So venture capital, you know, you're looking at incredibly high returns, which therefore, therefore you're looking for really super high growth companies. So this so isn't, let's talk about that some more. Yeah. What, so from your side of the seat, what kind of returns are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, you know, every investment that we look at, we say, does this have the potential to give a 10x type return? So okay. 10 times our money. Okay. Um, Within what time frame? Well, that that would, could, can be a little subjective, but sure. usually most, most venture firms have a 10-year lifespan. So if I'm out raising capital at a $20 million valuation, you're trying to figure out how this thing's going to be worth Two hundred million Bingo. or something, and yeah. within ten years, yeah, within, at the latest, at the latest, and and it's also, you know, to complicate things slightly more. Like if you're taking a portfolio approach and investing in multiple companies, and you want to try and you know try and drive that ten x return, I mean, you need to have some that maybe have a twenty, you know, potential for twenty x or a thirty x or even greater, right? I mean, some of the some of the big success stories, you know, have you know a thousand, two thousand x type returns. Um, because, because you also know you're trying to, what you're trying to balance out is when you're investing in these early stage companies, a large portion of them will, will not exist. And okay, that was in the that next question years, I so. had is, you know, and I understand this would be different for every single investment entity, but you're obviously taking a big risk. If you're getting a thousand X return, that's probably cause you were like dollar one, yeah, maybe in something that, that went really well. So across venture capital in general, I mean, like what's the expectation for failure? Yeah, I think, um, uh, you, you know, you'll see different stats that are out there, right? I mean, you'll say, you'll see some that say, Hey, one in 10 will succeed, right. Or, or one in 10 have the opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to really, you know, even drive a return. Um, it's pretty low. 
It's 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 and those very are those low. are companies that actually garn that receive venture capital dollars, not just companies in general, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and you know, I will say that um, there. That's why you take a portfolio approach to these sure. things, right? So I think the you know the the rule of thumb roughly is you know if you take you know if you have all the companies in your portfolio, a third won't exist, a third will return some and more, and then a third. Uh, will return, you know, greater than three X type return, um, and then hopefully a handful of those, or at least a couple of those, will will deliver a lot more of that. So, yeah, and it's hard different approaches, but yeah, sure. And I, I imagine the fr- from both sides of the fence, right? I mean, like for my company, uh, it's probably pretty easy to look at it and say, okay, there's a pretty good chance we could get a two X or three X return. But if you guys are like, oh no, we have to have a ten X return, and it's like. I can't raise money. Yeah. But that I can be really successful and get a 3x return, but nobody wants a 3x return. But that comes down to the stage that you're at. And that's one of the things I think we should address as well is like, you know, define – we we literally had an episode called What is a Startup? Because they think Uber's a startup. Like, and we determined – it was actually my wife threw this out there. She said, if your company name has become a verb, you are no longer a startup. <laughs> <laughs> so if you Uber somewhere, you're not a startup. And, you know, so like, you know, I think as far as the stages go, like, how do you determine what a stage a company's in or what do you guys consider, you know, like you look well, at, so you have early VC money that is really high risk. Right. So, and maybe that's the thing we should talk about is like, what are the minimum requirements of a company before you're going to invest in them? You know, they have to have a million dollars a year in revenue or $5 million a year in revenue and, yeah. and those things. And, and from my perspective as a founder of a company, most of the emails I always get are people want like $5 million a year in revenue. And I look at that and I think if I had $5 million in <laughs> I revenue, wouldn't need you. Yeah. I wouldn't need yeah. you. Yeah. But that's but that defines what most VC-backed companies are, though. They're companies that are going to go from $5 million to $100 million. And if you're not going from five to $100 you shouldn't even be looking for VC money. Matt, that is, that is spot on. And I, and I say that I, I have this conversation a lot and I say, are you, you need to determine is venture capital the right type of funding to go get, right? you know, and is, you know, your profile, you have to be educated enough to really understand, you know, what the expectations are from a quote venture capital firm versus, you know what, maybe you can go get dollars from some other high net worth individuals, some family offices, some angel investors that are out there, you know, bank financing, you know, in some cases. Um, so there's lots of different financing opportunities. So really trying to figure out, you know, is this really a, you know, is it a fit to go get, you know, venture capital dollars? Because it's, it's a different, you know, it's a different game. So what, do you, what do you think is a good fit? You know, and I think that's, yeah. a, that's a, I mean, that's a really popular question. And, you know, some, all right. So some people, and, and, you know, we keep our ear to the ground and talk to a lot of people and do a lot of stuff. And some people are like, I'll never take that VC money. It's the devil. And, and, you know, I, I reply, I'm like, uh, I wouldn't necessarily approach anything with that out outlook. Cause these are the people that are trying to help you light the fuse on the rocket. Yeah. Like that's, that's where that can really come into play. But, you know, like what is some of your, what is some of your insight as far as like, you know, when it's good for you and when it's not. Yeah. I, I think, I think ultimately it's, it's the profile. Right. And so, you know, going back to Matt's question around, you know, what's the company look like and, sure. you know, what do we look for? It, it does depend and it is all relative of the stage of investing that you're in. 
you know, we call ourselves late seed, early series A, uh, which is pretty early on. I mean, that's right after kind of getting up and running. Um, and so then the question is, all right, well, what is that? what does all that, what does all that mean? Cause you can call whatever round of financing, whatever you want. Right. So it really comes down to what's the company look like and what are some of the key elements. And so for us, we look for companies that are, um, number one, based in the area in which we invest, right? right? So we'll invest yep. anywhere other than the Silicon Valley or the Northeast corridor. If you're located in those areas, that's an immediate uh, disqualification for us. Um, but from a profile, of company, have to have a product built. So we're not investing in the ideas on the back of the napkin. That's for the earlier stage, kind of early seed, you know, angel investors to be able to do. Um, We say it has to be market validated, which is a little intentionally ambiguous, but basically meaning, you know, number one, do you have customers? I mean, is it already market validated? Are people out there paying for what you've built? If you don't have early revenue, then for us, we have to have a really high confidence level that there is somebody, there's somebody willing to write a check for what you've built. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, it goes back to what we were talking about before. Have to be going after a big market with a great team, with a killer product, right? Well, so those are kind of the three elements, which again, are you know, there's a lot to unpack underneath each of those. And I don't remember but, what the stat was, but I, I heard some stat one day that said like the percentage of the companies, and this was across all types of companies in the United States, that do more than $5 million a year in revenue. Mm-hmm. And the numbering, the number was like a staggering, extremely low percent. I mean, it's probably like a tenth of a percent or something. Yeah. I mean, because like one, I think it's something like only 1% of companies will even do a million a year in revenue. Yeah, it's a very, very, yeah. because every small business there is, I mean, then there's millions of them, yeah. be it a plumber or whatever, you know, whatever you are, well, right? Most, most they of don't them do are, very yeah. much revenue. I mean, well, most of them are small service businesses yeah. that do a couple hundred thousand a year. They have two or three employees or something right. like that. And, you know, they never really hit that million dollar. And obviously those businesses aren't really, aren't really in the wheelhouse of a institutional investor. Yeah. No. So, 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 so I think the key, the key component differentiating kind of the venture investing or the venture profile, it's growth rate. Mm. It's growth rate. Right. So this idea of rapid accelerated growth more than, all right, what's the dollar threat? You know, what's the revenue threshold where we would invest? I mean, there is, you know, again, there's some of that market validation I was talking about that, you know, that we need to see. So what's the growth rate you're looking for? Yeah. So I, you know, that would say that there's a range. Yeah. There's a range. All of it. But, but the earlier, the earlier, the higher, right? Because, you know, the lower the base of revenue that right. you're growing from, then it's a lot easier to kind of right. boost the percentages. So, so the earlier on you are and the lower revenue, you, revenue you have, you know, it's got to be, you know, 10 to 20% per month, if not more, if it's earlier. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, pretty rapid, right. pretty rapid growth. And it's interesting, you know, in some of the, uh, potential acquirers or investors I've talked to, they're like, oh, we'd rather see you only grow 40% a year or 60% a year, but Mm. not lose any money. Uh, And I think, again, that depends on the profile of the investor. And I do. And I think that's the distinguishing factor difference between venture uh, investors and and others. Yeah. Like you get to growth equity and they're like, "Uh, we don't really want you to lose any money, but we're really happy with you, you know, only growing 40, 60% a year, but doing it extremely efficiently. Well, yeah. And then you get further down the funding continuum is all about capital preservation, right? Mm -hmm. Just don't lose any money. So uh, now, and don't take this the wrong way, but sometimes talking to VCs is like hearing someone say two plus three equals fish. Yeah. 
you know, just for like some of the things that you've brought up, it's like, there's such a different approach, you know, some of them, you know, here, here's $5 million. We want you to get through this as fast as you can fail fast. Yeah. You know, and that's a weird approach it sometimes is. for some like, you know, and then you have others, like we were just mentioning you, know, you talk about capital preservation and, yeah. and whatever. So, <laughs> well, I think, you, you, you know, one of the things that, well, what's the most yeah. common approach to that? Most common approach yeah. to it, 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 to hey here so all right here's a check for five million bucks what are you going to do with it is it like hey we want you to like really try to make this huge fast we want you to try yeah. to preserve the capital like it is definitely not preserve the capital but there is a, there's a limitation right it's sure. don't run don't hit the don't hit the wall right don't run out don't run out right. of money but you know how are you going to best and that's what we really look for you know that we want to hear from the founders that we're speaking with is what's the plan sure like well, you know what are you going to what are the you know quote use of funds usually that money's supposed to last 12 to 18 months right yeah for each round i mean i'd say that's a rough rule of thumb you know to have at least enough runway because you know the rationale behind that is you have to have some time to be able to go make get that market traction and yeah. to, you know make it and it's, make it work it's a little bit of a game results. of chicken too because like you get the money and you have 12 to 18 months and you potentially got to raise another round <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're a VC backed company that plans to go that path and it's a game of chicken yeah. because then all of a sudden if you have like a couple bad months or a bad quarter along that path and then it's time to raise the next round you're screwed you're done yeah it, it's that continuous growth right i mean it's how do you continue to put fuel on the fire and you have to perform so that's you know that again this goes back to the conversation that how people go all right do you really want to go raise venture capital are you really ready for this because it is a, it, you know, it's fast paced and, and it's a full, it's a full time job actually raising capital. It is, uh, it definitely, you need to, you need to plan on, uh, a good amount of time to go raise capital. And, you know, and, and that's something that I think, you know, some of the things we think about is we try and make, you know, we try and compress our decision cycles down as much as possible. But the reality is, and this is when I was raising capital too, I had this expectation that, oh, you know what, I'm going to go in, I'm going to have one meeting and, you know, this, this firm's going to come cut me a, you know, one to $5 million four, check. Four, four days later. In one yeah. hour meeting, yeah. you know, and that's just not, that's not uh, rational. And <laughs> it's certainly not the way that it works. I know why I wanted it because I needed money right at that time. And I wanted a quick decision. And so, you know, but when you're asking somebody to cut those bigger checks, you know, it takes, uh, it's relationship, you know, it's building, you know, kind of cumulative commitment over time. But you want to really get to know educating. who you're giving a $5 million uh, check to or whatever. Right? This is a long-term, that, that's the other part about venture. It's a long-term relationship. I mean, I, when you're going in, you know, you want to, as much as we're doing diligence on companies that we want to invest in and the people I mean, we are at the, when we're investing early stage, we are investing in the founders and the team. I, I say on the flip side, hey, if you're out raising venture capital, make sure you're raising from, I mean, that you're being super thoughtful about who you want to be sitting beside you for the next 10 years. Well, and I, I think that's a, a great point is that it is a long, slow process and it's more of a relationship building process. And uh, some of the people I've had the best success with were people I talked to and then I talked to them again two or three months later, two or three months later, two or three months later, and they can see our progress. They, right. you know, thought about us over time, heard good things about us, whatever, instead of it just being like one email and one call, right? Like it's an ongoing relationship. And I think that's probably the hardest part about this being in Kansas City though, right? Is if you're in the Valley, uh, everybody knows somebody at a VC. It's easy to sit down and have those meetings. And there's like a hundred different VCs. Everybody knows somebody at one of them. 
He'll drive, it's easy by, he'll to build drive those, by 14 of them on the way to work. It's easy to build those relationships, cultivate those relationships, have a best friend who puts in a good word for you, all those sort of things, and build those relationships where you get to Kansas City and there's, what, two or three VC firms? Yeah, it's probably, I mean, depends on how you how you define it. Yeah, yeah I mean, maybe yeah. there's five. A handful, yeah. It's a small number, right? And so at some point it is a numbers game. And um, I think that's the biggest disadvantage we have. Yeah, But at the same time, do you have an advantage because the people on the coast are not paying as much attention to some of these companies here? Because I look at the Midwest and the flyover territory and I think affordable operating costs, first off, you know, like we were talking to someone out in, out in San Jose or whatever, and the guy had a two bedroom apartment and it was like five grand a month. And, you know, like they worked in like a closet pretty much. And like you can burn through some money and also like the competition for talent. And, and, you know, while, while there's a talent shortage everywhere, but I, I just feel like sometimes the road less traveled is the one, like there's riches in the niches. Well, or, what I always say is in Kansas city, you can easily be the coolest place to work at right. in Silicon Valley. You will never be. It's, right. it's always an arms Google, race. Facebook, yeah. Uber, Apple. When do those people work by the way? Like, Hey, we got our fourth bowling alley, our tennis court and our, and our badminton court is now live. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think the pros and cons, right, on both sides of the, uh, both sides of the coin. So you're out in the valley. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of venture capital dollars flowing out there. But by the same token, there are a lot of companies out there, a so lot I mean, of amazing talent. So, so right. you're competing not only for the capital dollars, you're competing for the talent that's yeah. out there. Like you said, you know, incredibly high cost of living out right. there. So the burn out there is pretty hot. That would freak um, me out a little bit. So, I'm just saying, like, yeah. I mean, I think it would. And then also you look at like the people you're going to hire and, you know, Ryan Weber was talking at that CEO retreat that we, you and I were talking at and, you know, just literally says, you know, Google doesn't have a cap on what they're going to pay people anymore. I mean, wow. Like if I'm an early stage company, how do I compete with that? Well, and one of the biggest disadvantages we have in Kansas City is the talent. Like, so I'm talking to a friend of mine who's doing an acquisition and I, I'm telling, telling them, I'm like, you need to go find somebody who has strong experience and operations of a SaaS company to help scale this thing. Where is that person in Kansas City? There's not a lot of them. So I, I think, I think yours is, it, yours is a good point. You go to it Silicon is, Valley, there's a lot of companies out there. It that, is, it is, I say the quality of entrepreneurs and founders and, uh, you know, labor force here at the top level is equal to anywhere in the world. It's the quantity underneath, right? Mm -hmm. Right. It's the, it's, so it gets to scaling, yeah. right? How do you really scale that? How do we have, how do we get more people drawn in? Right. You know, look, I mean, I, you know, our whole purpose, you know, statement, I have in my own individual kind of purpose statement, as well as our firms is how to create the next generation of technology success stories in the region. I think the more success stories we create, the more momentum we create, the more wealth we create, right. the more interest we create, you know, the more just kind of, you know, energy that, 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 that comes out of that. Uh, that's really what kicks off the entire cycle and draws more people in. Well, so, and a great example of that in Kansas City was my story was Vin Solutions. Um, now there's like five other automotive software companies in Kansas City. And they're only here because Vin Solutions was here before. Yeah, that's great. Right? So people come here for the talent and whatever, and they poach that talent from Vin or whatever, there, which is really cool. There's another side of that coin too, though. Like you look at like some of the companies that are here, like for example, Garmin. Mm -hmm. 
or Cerner mm-hmm. kind of create a vacuum yeah. for some of the smaller companies too, because they suck, up, they, suck up, they suck up a lot of the, of the, the local talent as well. And you, we, we keep talking about scale. Well, Matt and I own a company together, full scale that helps companies find resources in our offices in the Philippines when they can't. And, you know, we've grown to almost 200 employees in a year. And that's because, and by the way, we should maybe call like make our motto, like serving the flyover States proudly. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's really part of the issue. You talk about that depth of talent. It's not that there isn't that surface level and, you know, it's a little bit under the, uh, under the surface, but it's just not deep. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's something that, you know, we've run into a lot. We talk to a lot of people. They're like, cause now here it comes your, your check. And they're like, oh, wow, I got to build a team now. And they have, they're, they're, you know, projecting needing 10 people to build something and they can find three of them. Yeah. And then one of them quits and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I I think one of the, you know, one of the things that we look for and we kind of, you know, is a linchpin for our investment thesis is how do we find companies that are really, really leveraging the natural assets of the area, right? So whether that's domain expertise, whether that's university talent pool whether that's the corporate base that's here, you know, that can be customers for the, for the products and services that, that our companies are building, you know, that is really the key because what we want to do, we don't want to find, we don't want to find companies just cause they're based outside of Silicon Valley or the Northeast corridor. We want to find those companies that actually have a natural advantage over any other company in the world based on where they're located. So if you take a look at the, you know, the areas outside of Silicon Valley in the Northeast corridor, you know, there's a tremendous amount of the GDP. So I think 75% of GDP is actually created outside of those three States. Wow. So Hmm. it's a pretty massive. So, you know, as part of that, there's a lot of domain expertise, you know, uh, you look in the center of the country, insurance, agriculture, uh, even cyber, right? I mean, look at Kansas City. Cyber, you know, Kansas City. The, and transportation and stuff Transport- like that. Yeah, absolutely. Manufacturing. Where, where it matters to be central. Ag, well, ag it, tech. And yeah, so Kansas City, <clears throat> if, if you want to do anything in transportation, agricultural, medical software, and there's several different categories where Kansas City would be a hell of a great home. That's right. There's so much talent. Transportation, nobody thinks about that about Kansas City, but that was one of the strategic advantages of Venn Solutions here in Kansas City. Yeah. We had 50 people that traveled every single week. They were a two or three hour plane ride from anywhere we wanted to go. Well, right. and airlines were like that for a while. And they and then we didn't ever build a new airport and they all went to St. Louis. My mom used to work for TWA. And there was a lot of just that central hub, mm-hmm. you know. And that, like I said, they really did go from Kansas City to St. Louis just for But we're home reasons, to but, yeah. you know, multiple railroads, yep. lots of companies that do like, you know, YRC, yellow, just and trucking, trucking, and just logistics, stuff. all yeah. sorts of stuff. There's a lot of natural assets yeah. in these, in these and areas. It's like you said, if, if you're a company in one of those industries, this is the place to be. So I'll give you a good, I'll give you a really good example of a portfolio company that we had that uh, was acquired last year as a company based out of Champaign, Illinois called Agrable. It was founded by some of the leading agronomists and leading atmospheric scientists rolling out at the University of Illinois. So if you take a look at Champagne, huge ag center, right? You've got, you know, uh, companies like John Deere located there, Archer Daniels Midland, some of the very large agricultural yeah. companies that are based there, incredible domain expertise. So they built the company up over, uh, over a several year time period and they were acquired by Nutrien, which was a combination of pad, uh, potash and agrium. So they're one of the large, large agricultural uh, players that are out there. But it's just a good example of leveraging that, those natural assets of where they're located. 
Matt, I have a challenge for you. Okay. Are you up to it? I'm ready. Let's go. I have 1,000 supreme dollars here, if you can correctly spell agronomist. <laughs> and I don't know how to spell it either, so I hope that does. A-G-R-N-O-M-I-S-T. Pretty positive that's wrong. That is okay. pretty positively wrong. All okay. right. Close. <laughs> yeah. Better luck next time. Autocorrect. We'll take care of <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Sorry. I think I'm we missed place, an O in there. I think I'm going to place this back okay. on, on my stack of venture capital, which if you want to hear it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's some powerful too, I mean, dollars This right is there. not worth much outside of this studio. I'm not Kinda sure. Kind of like the Belarusian rubles you gave me. Yeah. Well, I we, we can trade. We want... <laughs> These might actually be <laughs> of better value. So, well, better luck next time on the spelling challenge. All right. So, agronomist. I don't even know. I'm not even going to try. So, I think one thing we should talk about, we um, talked about a lot about VC. So, what if somebody decides like, oh, okay, so maybe VC isn't for me. Maybe I'm not that company. What other options do they have for raising capital? Yeah, I, I, it's uh, it kind of depends on the area that you're operating in, right? But 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 I I always fall back to you have to find people, institutions, financing sources that are interested in what you're doing. That are right? passionate about that what are you passionate do. about what you do, and that's definitely that true for know angel about investors. what you do, right? Because those are the people that you know ultimately you know. All of this, all ra- raising money, raising capital, it is about relationships. It's about connecting with the person across the table. You know, uh, it, it, there's so much focus now on, oh, I get the right pitch deck together. And, you know, and, you know, one of the things that I always, you know, that I typically tell people is don't forget about your own story, right? Don't forget about telling us like why you actually got into this and why is that? Why, you know, why do we, why do we want that? Because we want to connect. Like we want to know where the connections are. And when you tell those personal stories and kind of the passion, kind of uncover the passion right. behind it, yeah, yeah. then it's, you know, that that pulls people in. And I'd hey, say well, that that's going to be the same no matter whether you're raising venture capital or whether you're raising for the coffee shop on the corner. It keeps you moving when times are tough, too. If you're passionate, you're able to get through it. Like, I, you know, you get a lot of people that I've had a lot of people ask me, oh, yeah, I want to start a business. Like, are you passionate about this? And yeah. they're like, well, kind of. I'm like, well, then don't do it. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Because it's going to be tough and you'll probably quit if you're not passionate about it. But if you're passionate about it, it's a lot easier to get through. I mean, do you agree, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is my, uh, not my first time at this and you still wake up, you know, every week or every month and you're like the 2 a.m. wake up call. Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Am I going broke? (laughs) And is every decision I've made up until now wrong? Yeah. I I had, you know, when I was, when I was running, when I was running my company, I always tell people, I say, you know, like in one day, usually within one hour, there was one moment where I'd say, oh my God, we are onto this. It is so big. This is going to be huge. And usually within the next hour, I'm like, oh my God, we're so screwed. We're so out of business. Yeah, the ups and, that's and downs. The, that's yeah. the ups and downs that you go that, through. We, we've spent a lot of time talking about that. And that's something that, it's not for everyone, man. It's mm-hmm. not. I mean, some people are going to get chewed up by that emotional roller coaster, the stress, the anxiety. And, you know, we've even had an episode about founder's depression because it's just like, well, first off, we think you got to be a little bit nutty yeah. to do some of this stuff. But it's it's that roller coaster. I, I, you, you know, I also I, I think one of the things we've we we've skipped over is, you know, the, the other financing option bootstrap. Yeah. Yeah. Like get in, get, get profitable from dollar one, right? I know it's, you know, it's tough, you know, it's easier said than done, 
But at the end of the day, you know what? If you don't have to go raise capital from an outside, you know, outside, you know, entity, don't do it. Like go, the, and there, go do that. The, the key though, there's a certain type of businesses that could never do that. That's right. Right. No, you're I right. mean, if you're Uber, like it had been hard to do that. You, you, you can't, can't scale, scale fast enough. You can't scale, right? There's if you're But Uber is like the, the ultimate yeah. example of venture backed yeah. if you're <laughs> your profile company. Bird or Lime and you need to go buy a hundred thousand scooters and drop them in a city on every corner, like it's gonna take a lot of capital to That's do that. Right. Like there are certain things that require a lot of capital. And why is that? It's for high growth, right? Mm-hmm. They have to have high growth to actually even be able to survive and to thrive. And so, you know, that's why you got to go, you go raise companies like Uber, Uber that have probably never made a profit. I can't imagine what their legal bills are and who knows if they ever will make a profit. Right. But I told you my friend, Jason's a a consultant that does like security and stuff like that. And he has like an expert witness and he's worked for Uber to go in and like testify in court related to Uber drivers that have killed people. Just like goofy stuff. Oh, like yeah. you talk I about just like, and, and like you mentioned bird, like, okay, so 10 years ago, I had one of those scooters long before and like, dude, they're not for everyone, man. I can only imagine how many people have like broken arms, oh, yeah. legs, property stuff, you know, and like, let's I mean, let yeah. drunk people use them with no helmets. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, that's also not good. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's do a little public. You know what, Matt? I'm I'm gonna because you are a good sport. I'm gonna roll this back on your yawn counter. Oh, good. You've done really well this episode. This is going back to zero. He's um, rallied. I, I know you rallied. I know. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Um, so with that, I think that we should also, you know, you, Dad, you mentioned something before I hit record, and it was that you know, hey, giving advice about this stuff. Like, there's a zillion different kinds of it, and it's yeah, you know, it's everywhere. And and maybe you're right, maybe you're not. I don't know, but there are some things that are probably pretty clear do's and don'ts mm-hmm. when approaching a company like yours. And if you guys want to check out uh, Flyover Capital, you can go to flyovercapital.com and see some of the partner companies that they've worked with, or you know, contact them if you want. Um, but there's got to be. I can only imagine. All right. So for example, for me, if someone gives me a business plan for their new .com and they want me to email them at Yahoo, that's like a red flag for me. It's just like <laughs> a weird little thing that would I would notice that would make me think like you want you want all this participation in a .com, but you can't even create an email address at it. It would just kind of, you know, like there's little weird things like that. What are some things that what are some things that will get your attention and some things that'll make you just yell next? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's some of the, you know, some of it is before, you know, how do you even reach out and contact, you know, the v, you know, the VC firm, for example. And then there are other things uh, once you get into the conversation. So right? when you kind say how, you know, so, all right, so there's a lot of VC and other type of companies. Some of the sites don't even have a way for you to contact them. Yeah. So, and that's probably intentional on, yeah, sure. in some cases because the quantity is incredibly overwhelming. I mean, and again, I've been on both sides of this, right? Having raised venture capital and then also, you know, deploying venture capital, you know, from a firm standpoint, you know, we've looked at over 1500 deals, um, and they come in fast and furious. And so there is a quantity, you know, thing that, that, that we have to deal with. So therefore, you know, one of the do's is do your absolute, number one, do your research on the firms that you're reaching out to. 
and understand, are you a fit for them? And importantly, are they a fit for you? Like depending on, you know, based on stage, based on kind of what the firm invests in, you know, don't waste, you don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste the firm's time. Well, and some of them are really specific. They're like, we invest in agricultural yeah, technology. Right. So that's not a good place for Stackify to or, or Gigabook or companies like that, right? These were clearly not agricultural technology. You would be amazed at how many inquiries, inquiries we get from companies that are based in Silicon Valley or the Northeast Corridor, and we clearly say yeah. we don't invest in those areas. Um, so that, that's one thing. The other thing is find a warm lead in. So, you know, very rarely are you going to get in kind of through just a cold email into an investment firm, a venture capital firm, and get that call back. We do our best because our purpose statement, again, is how do we create this next generation of technology success stories in the region? We intentionally don't put that we invest in on the end of it. So we do try and do our best to help as much as possible, even if we don't take a meeting, even if we don't, um, you know, end up investing in the company, we do, we ultimately want more success stories, whether we invest in them or not. Um, but again, the best way in to a venture firm, you know, for intros is get, get a warm intro. Well, in. and that was my point earlier about if you're in Silicon Valley, everybody has a buddy or a friend that one yeah. of these places that are nearby. If you know a lot of other SaaS founders or, you know, whatever. Well, the power of recommendation in general yeah. is is powerful. You know, like saying, hey, if it's someone you respect or someone that you think highly of or someone that you know isn't going to bullshit you as well. Like, hey, take a look at this. You know, and that's that's might be as far as it goes. But, I mean, is that what you mean by a warm intro? Just like. Yeah. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, t time is our most valuable resource. I mean, everyone's. I mean, for the startup founders, and we try and be super cognizant of that, you know, as well. But also, our, you know, our time as well. And so you want to make sure that you're maximizing your own time. And the best way to do that is to get, you know, find an intro in, figure out if it's a good fit and if it's a good use of time and then and then go for it, you know. What are a couple more things that'll that that you think a venture capital firm will see and just immediately like on to next? Like, I mean, I, I think one of the things that's really important that you mentioned at, at the very beginning is not stating what you're going to do with the money. Mm -hmm. Like, if you can't, like, hey, we need it for what stuff, you know, like, what's your plan? Um, you know, like, I mean, Matt, you've, you've been an investor in several different things. You're very, very versed in this area. Like what are some of the things that, what are some things that'll make immediately make you throw it out? Well, I think as an angel investor, uh, one of the things that Thad mentioned, we talked about before is being passionate in whatever the problem is. I mean, mm -hmm. if somebody comes to me and they have something about farming tech, I'm probably not very interested. Like, it's just not very passionate to me. Is that just because you don't know anything about I it? I don't know anything about it. Like, yeah. people come to me and they want me to invest in real estate. And I'm like, nope, not a real estate investor. Right. Not my thing. Not passionate about it. Um, it's about what you're familiar with and interested in. It's and maybe very, what you can help move the needle on. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't help you with how to develop <clears throat> apartments. No idea. Well, and I think mixtape's a good example of moving the needle. Have you played mixtape before? Because I'm going to invent a card say today. that I have. Oh. <laughs> so mixtape is a party game, and Full Skill owns part of this. We were investors in it, mixtapethegame.com. So we normally would pull a card, and I'll read a scenario, and we will all name the song oh that would gosh. identify best with that. But I'm so I, now technically the card I pulled says the best relationship makeup song, but I'm, we're not going to play that. I'm going to say that the card would say the best song to listen to while submitting applications for venture capital. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go with all about the Benjamins. 
<laughs> this should be an easy, you should not draw a blank on this. There are too many songs. Oh my God. So yeah. And you know what I'm talking about, you know, with Puff Daddy, Biggie Smalls. Yes. I, and I left probably some of the more obvious ones out there. Wow. Man, you guys. So, and why you guys think about that? You you want to talk about? We we're talking about moving the needle. I'm buying time for my guests here. <laughs> I might win by default. And if you guys can't come up with a freaking song about money to mention here, I'll play for you. But I'm going to take the win, and I'm going to fire the money gun. So, but no, you talk about being able to move the needle. So, like mixtape is a game that's related to music. I worked in the music industry for eight years. I have a book coming out. It, by the way, July thirtieth is the actual launch date oh. of book number three. Nice. The Realist Guide to Successful Music Career. It's like, there's a copy of it right there. But um, for those of you that are listening to see, um, but, you know, with that, you know, there's a lot of interesting people that are in this book, like members of Dave Matthews Band, an American Idol winner, five-time Grammy Award winners. And, you know, I know people that worked at Yamaha and Roland. I could move the needle for this. And I also get it because I worked in the industry for so long. And it made a lot of sense to me when Joel Johnson pitched this to us. I was like, dude, I get it. I was like, why doesn't this have an app? And he's like, well, now you know why I'm here, dude. <laughs> so, but that, I think that's kind of like you said, like if with ag tech, like what would I do for you? I don't, yeah. dude, I don't know anybody that's in ag tech. I don't have a strong ag. I don't have a farm. I am not an agronomist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the, one of the other things that we look for is, you know, have a, have a plan, right? Yeah. And, and come, come with a confident plan. So, you know, when you start engaging in conversation with, with someone, it's pretty clear when you ask, uh, you know, everybody has the surface level pitch, but then once you start asking the, the questions a little bit more below the surface, you know, have that, you know, have the knowledge of the space that you're operating in, you know, who was the competitive landscape. I mean, a lot of the basic stuff, but really at the end of the day, we want to know why are you the team that can actually go win in this space, not compete, not start a business in the space, but how can you be the one that goes and wins? And part of that is just having confidence in the plan, understanding, you know what, at this space, at the early stage, plans change all the time. And, and what is your right. con- what is the confidence that you guys have in your plan to co- finish finish competing at mixtape? <laughs> I'm going to have to play for all you guys. Should I just do it? Okay, sure. You're going with Money by Pink Floyd. That's the one that was in my head. And uh, now I can see now I got a blank fourth ad. I'm going to give Thad money <laughs> by Pink Floyd. I'm going to let you not come up with an answer. Lots and blanks. Can I just go it. with F you by CeeLo Green? Yeah, sure. That's okay. the hack. We've learned that mixtape <laughs> has a hack and that will, and that would be I, I was actually thinking of some. By the way, that would be very applicable. To I was thinking blind. of some like very depressing, sad song because usually when you're chasing VC money, there's a certain amount of that. Oh, heartache and misery and, <laughs> heartache or, or and misery. any song about rejection yeah about and, but and let's kind of finish up this episode by talking about that so look um you're going to get rejected a lot you could have the greatest company the greatest model in the world you're still going to get rejected you're going to hear it's too early um we want to see you have more traction blah 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 and sometimes that's probably just a polite way of saying no mm. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, and that, that's why raising money's hard. It's like, uh, I, I, I feel like raising capital is probably similar to like salary arbitration in sports. Like they're going to, they want you to, they want to tell you all the reasons that you're not worth the higher price, but not so many that it destroys your confidence in performing at an elite level. I don't know in some ways, but you, it's just like, it's, it's 
there's a lot of rejection involved. You're going to have, they're going to, you're going to have people that aren't even going to reply. They're going to people that are going to tell, you no. you had, you had one bad month. We need a few more months to see how you do. Yeah. Look, I, you know, (laughs) it's definitely, it's the hardest part. It's the hardest, you know, in, in, in our seat as well. So like I said, I mean, we've looked at over 1500 deals. We've made 16 investments. That's what I was going to ask next. It's a lot of no's. You said 16 out of how many? Uh, 1500 we've seen. And that's that you actually looked at or that's like- Looked at to varying degrees, you know. So that's not even the ones that were submitted. Those are the ones you actually paid attention to. That we at least opened up and took a look at. Right. So out, and I'm curious, and I know there's no, you don't have these numbers, but how many were there that you didn't look at? Because I would think that would be like another 90%. Yeah, I don't have those numbers, but- Is that, I mean, is it something, is it like a lot? Yeah, I'd say, you you know what though? I mean, I I think we, we tend to look at, a lot of the things that come in. So I'd say right. that's probably a lower percentage for us. I was going to guess one in a hundred. Like that was going to, yeah. I was going to say that I felt like you have like a 1% chance. I imagine you get a lot of emails and you read the, uh, the headline and you're like, eh, no. That right. could probably be a don't, you know, like think about how you, you're presenting yourself. Like um, investment opportunity for the right investment person is not a good subject line. You know, or like get to the point. I think that's another thing too that I've told people that are raising capital. Like, get to the point. Because you, you said time's your greatest commodity. Oh, Watson, you're back. Oh. <laughs> I'm set. You actually are going back. Now I'm retracting. You're back to three. Fine. It's okay. And you can't spell agronomist. So I'm not even sure what we're trying to do here anymore. So who won mixtape? I did by default. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm here. Am I getting funded? Oh, man, those are real dollars. Yeah. Oh, ones. Well, we had a hundred the other day. Yeah, we did. I'm afraid of what this money is going to do to me. It's going <laughs> to change me. I don't have a plan for spending all the all this, Thad. Well, that's at least tens of dollars. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is this You've is been funded. This is not. Yeah, congratulations. You've got thirty-seven dollars and a bunch of worthless Supreme fake money that says "luck you pay me" on it. <laughs> um, well, that thank you for coming in. I appreciate your time. For those of you listening, check us out on Instagram at, at Startup Hustle Podcast. Check out our business at fullscale.io. Um, we got a lot of content out there uh, to do good stuff, you know, to try to help you. Look back through the old episodes. We actually did, a, a, I think, episode three or maybe even two was called Getting Funded Sucks. Um, there's some reality there. You're rich, dude. I am. Wait, that's mine. You didn't win. God, this is not going to get me far. My burn rate. This is not <laughs> much of a not much of a runway. <laughs> if you guys want to check out Flyover Capital, uh, go to flyovercapital.com. Um, you can see some of the stuff they do. You, you guys have a very informative website. It talks about your approach, some of the other companies that, that are in there. Um, and if you're seeking trying to do this yourself, you guys get you just got to keep on keeping on. You That's know, right. like I persistence mean, like, is key. Yeah, and and also remember, like there is there is an element of sales here. Like you got to keep following up. Don't just think that people are going to show up and drop giant checks on your lap so anything to say on the way out guys uh i'm looking for a giant check on my lap yeah it's actually under your chair (laughs) this is like (laughs) you get a check yeah and i'll see you guys next time Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.